You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and today, like we do every Tuesday, let's break down Coach Fisher's press conference from Monday afternoon. Now again, Texas A&M did improve to 6-1 on the year with the 20-7 victory over the likes of LSU. But there's a lot of improvement that can be done before the team goes travels to the Plains of Auburn to face off against the Tigers before a two-game stretch at the end of the year to possibly stay in the race for the number four seed in the college football playoff. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, I'm always here. Drop a like in the in the subscription box. Make sure that you also follow me on social media and let me know what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Main related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. 20-7 on a normal day against an LSU team seems like a very sound victory for anyone. Because if you look at the history of LSU, they've been a good program. More often than not, they're actually a great program always finding themselves in the top 25, more often than not finding themselves on the cusp or right in the top 10. And unfortunately, this is just a bad year. But a bad year for the Bayou Bengals is a good year for A&M. Except for the fact that there were multiple concerns on the offensive side of the ball, specifically with Kellen Mond throwing during that game. He finished with 105 yards, averaged 3.1 yards per throw. Meanwhile, Isaiah Spiller had a 54% of the offensive production for AM, plus a Buddy Johnson interception added another score to the game to give the team a 20-7 victory. Now, of course, Jimbo Fisher, as the man he is, understands that there are positives and negatives to every game. And looking back at the film, here were his thoughts. You know, going back, uh, proud of our team because great to play after three weeks. Uh, you know, three weeks is a long time not to play. Uh, come back and get a victory against a very good opponent who was very talented. LSU team uh, was good. Uh, we need to get that win. It was a conference win, a, a divisional win. As I say, those are double whammies, I used to call them. I mean, because they're not only in your league, they're on your side of the division. So it's always important. You have to learn to play against those guys and play well. It was great that we come back and did that. Uh, proud of our team to be able to come out with a victory. Uh, like I say, coming back after three weeks like that and come back and play hard. I thought our defense was outstanding in the game. Our front was very dominating, controlled the run game very well, got pressure on the quarterback. I thought we blitzed well on the night, affected the quarterback, got two critical turnovers, one down there in scoring zone, other and got a score, which is always critical when you can do that. I uh, thought offensively we were inconsistent. I thought we did some good things early, hit a couple big runs at times. Uh, we're not very good with consistency and it went all the way across the board whether we missed a, everybody took turns whether when you look at the film whether it was a guard a tackle a tight end a back missed a cut quarterback could have made some throw we had some throws we should have made a couple situations we should have made uh dropped a couple balls uh route you know just rat trap on a route not do what we had to do just and i and i think not from a from an urgency if the effort was there tenacity was there just execution wasn't there and you get a hair off and you start doing different things and didn't execute but you know got some big runs isaiah had some nice runs in the game and we got some good plays in the game at times uh second first half you know did a nice job great job before the half again getting a field goal in two minutes before the half was very critical i thought in the game 
night. There, second half is where we, a lot of the, we had 223 yards the first half. Second half is where we weren't very good. Third down has got to get better. But third down, which we've been outstanding on, like I go back and say, is because we had, uh, I think, eight or – I think it was ten – third and ten or more if I'm not mistaken again I can't remember the exact number and because we weren't as good consistently on first down got some got some drives going and then got some penalties uh, by some guys that usually doesn't make that mistake but hey they're all fixable things we'll go back get it fixed up and move on but the uh, special team I thought we were in some parts really good I thought our punter did a great job of keeping them we could have tried a couple long field goals but they weren't moving the football and he did a great job of pinning guys inside the ten which ended up getting us a score. I thought he was outstanding there. Our coverage teams were really good kicking the ball. I thought Seth kicked the field goals. was really good on a wet night on a wet field. If you watch that first one, his feet actually come clear out from under me, his butt, but he still made the kick. And, uh, you know, very tough to do in that situation. Unfortunately, I had a couple penalties on punt return. We have one that we, you know, I'm, we, I, I, I'm going to get a look at. See, I, I questioned the call a little bit, but we had one punt return, took it back to the 27-yard line. We got points. We're going to get there and had a penalty on that. And then uh, – had two, two penalties later on on a couple, so we'll get those clarified. But, you know, solid game. But, you know, hey, we got to like it a lot better. The good thing about it, we're, you know, we're in a good position right now. We're playing well, as well as a team. We're learning to win as a team. We've won two games this year where we haven't played as well offensively. Vanderbilt and here, and defense have been outstanding. We played two games. We haven't played for own defense where we didn't get a stop at Florida and didn't get many stops at Arkansas, and we won on offense. So the thing about it I'm happy is about we're learning how to win. We're learning how to play off each other and and learn how to do that. And that's a big thing in which you have to learn to do when you keep taking steps and going forward. And the good thing, there's still a lot of room for improvement. So we'll continue to work them hard, get things right. I'll do a better job coaching. All of our coaches will get our guys tuned up better, put them in better position to make plays and uh, keep going. But they're playing hard. They're playing tough. They're playing physical. And uh, we'll get better. There was one thing that Fisher said that I really liked about his entire press conference, and it was talking about special teams. Now, a lot of people actually were sitting out here going, well, why did they not go for it on short? Why did they not go for the field goal? Why did they punt? And there was that one drive, the one where they got the, fu- they got the fumble on special teams. Connor Blumlick saw the play happen. It unfolded. He got the ball back. And then afterwards, it was a quick three and out. Again, offense stumbled immediately. Or was it four plays? It was it was a quick, like nine yard, like twelve yards. It wasn't a lot, and they elected a punt instead of go for a fifty-one yard field goal. Here's why it was a genius move. On the ensuing drive, T.J. Finley was pinned down at the two, at the two yard line. So what happened? He had an incompletion on the first play. And then right after that, he threw an interception in coverage to Buddy Johnson. Johnson took it back the other way. It was positive points for A&M. Finley could not move the ball, which is a great saying about the defense. But it's also a good saying about strategic plays. A&M also could not move the ball for a very majority part of that game. When you talk about A&M moving the ball, it was a lot of great big-time plays from Isaiah Spiller or one of the receivers moving the ball on a 10-yard out route or a 10-yard slant or a 13-yard game. I mean, that was really it for moving the ball. But what the defense did do was stand pat and force more three and outs in this game than we saw all season. And if they weren't three and outs, they were very good drives. Just, just humor me for a minute. First drive of the day, they had a turnover on downs. They had six plays. 30 yards, they took up 200, two minutes and seven seconds off the clock. Next drive for LSU. Three and out, three yards. Next drive for LSU. Three and out, seven yards. Next drive for LSU. Three uh, three plays, nine yards. Uh, next drive for LSU. Four plays, 14 yards. Next play for LSU. It was an interception 
You had the big TJ Finley pass to Terrace Marshall. And then after that, you had an incomplete. And then you got intercepted by Jalen Johnson. Next one, you had eight plays and missed field goal. Next one after that, three and out. Next drive after that, three and out. Drive to begin the second half, three and out. Drive after that, four plays. Drive after that, two plays for a touchdown. Drive after that, six plays for a punt. Uh, After that, five plays. Drive after that, three. Then you had the touchdown at the end of the game. You had seven drives end with six plays or less. This is why I talk so highly about Mike Elko and why I do believe he deserves to be in the conversation for a head coaching job. Maybe not at a division, uh, di- you know, a division one powerhouse, but definitely a maybe non-power five conference. And it'll be why I mentioned Will Muschamp possibly coming to join the staff as the defense coordinator because of, I think that there's going to be a lot of teams out there who lose their head coach to some other program or it's just because of the COVID year they have to make some budget cuts and maybe they do have a buyout. Maybe they're just not resigned. But if you see a guy like Hugh Freeze go to South Carolina, why would Liberty not want to give Mike Elko a call for what he's done defensively? Offensively, this is a poor showing. Defensively, it was a good game. Biggest thing I still believe by, defense wins championships. Maybe it's not that way in the NFL, but if you have a dang good defense in the SEC, you will be effective. Part of the reason why Alabama was so effective for two years in the Jalen Hurts era, was because their defense was so sound. They could rely on minute plays from a guy who did not fit Nick Saban's passing system at all. At all. But he was able to go ahead and drive them and get them into consideration and get them to the national championship. What happened there? That's a whole other story. But... You have to admit that those defenses were the reason Alabama was successful. And defense will win you championships. It's why Kirby Smart has a head coaching job. It's why Jeremy Pruitt got a head coaching job. It's why Mike Elko also will soon be getting a head coaching job. Because defense is the reason Texas A&M today is sitting still in the top five for the college football playoff. It's a new day. It's a new month. But you know what's never new? having a moment to chill. And unfortunately, with the Christmas season right around the corner, you're always going to feel like you're going 24-7, a mile a minute, never having a moment just to sit back and relax. That's why I recommend when you do have a moment to relax, there's only one beer out there that's literally made to help you chill, and that's Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall or winter, Saturdays are made for your time to chill. Even if your team isn't playing this year, there are plenty of teams and sports on television that give you an excuse to chill and drink a beer. And with Coors Light being cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged by the great people of the Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, it's literally a beer made to chill. And it's crisp as refreshing as the Colorado Rockies themselves. Perfect for a moment to unwind. I know when I have a rough day ahead, I will always kick back with an ice cold beer and those blue mountains tell me I'm in for a delicious treat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's literally made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And always remember, celebrate responsibly. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson, we're back next. We're talking about things Texas A&M. Guys, I'm going to get your opinion on something. We love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports teams. If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up and win your fantasy football league. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Naturally, the story of the game is Kellen Mond. Whether you want to admit it or not, Kellen Mond did not have a good game. 
Does this mean that he is a bad quarterback? No, not in the slightest. However, when you make comments that you do, and when you talk about yourself in a third person like you do, you have to back it up. You don't see Mac Jones or Kyle Trask talking so highly of themselves going into a prove-it season. You don't see it at all. You saw it from Kellen. And, and that's not an insult to him. Because if he's had several good games this year, he's proven that with Jimbo Fisher, it can work. Now, the defense and having good weapons in the backfield always help. But he has been an essential part of the offense that's worked. Last season, you can give him a little bit of the blame. You can also blame the offensive line. That allowed the most pressures in the first five games of the season than any other SEC team. Which led to two losses. That being said, at what point do we know exactly what Kellen Mond is? Because of the sad reality is, we're going into week 14 of the NCAA season. Technically week 10 of the SEC football season, and I still don't know where Kellen Mond ranks with these quarterbacks. I could see him be the number four guy. I could see him be the number three guy. I could also see him be the number nine guy. And that's where the problem lies. Unfortunately, as Jimbo Fisher will tell you in about five seconds, this is just part of the growing system when it is a game that you don't play for three weeks. And, and I say, as I look at that game, he, he did not play his best by far. Missed some throws, missed some things. And we rat-trapped some routes around him, like I said. We gave up some protections. We had some routes that were going to come wide open and were coming open. And we busted protection up front, which we haven't done all year. And he actually got rid of the football and didn't take a sack uh, and those things. But, he you know, he wasn't as sharp. He got hit some. And that's part of it. And you got to play, and he'll make adjustments and move on. And just like he has all year and always has in his career. But some of that, too, in his – Defense, he did not play a good game, had some mistakes, and like he normally does, he's, you know, he's been playing really, really good football, but we got to play some better around him too and some things and, and some plays, make some plays, protect him a little better at times, and do a better job, but yes. One bad game does not define your college career. When you look at Kellen Mond's stats, he's one of a few players in the history of the program to throw and have over 10,000 yards for his career, and he's been here for a while, but therein lies the problem is you've been there for so long, you should be picking up on the cadences. You should be picking up on the defense. You should be picking up on your offensive line. And the one thing that I've always been told by scouts, by coordinators, by uh, local people just around the NFL world, around the college football world, or even around the high school world, a quarterback has three seconds to get rid of that ball. Now, what happens afterwards, you can say is the offensive line's fault. But if an offensive line can hold a block for three seconds... That alone means that there is where the problem lies. Because at some point, yeah, protection got broken. And I could go back and watch every single snap again, and I probably will today or tomorrow, and I'll see how many three-step drawbacks, how many three-second holds were there by the offensive line. Now, again, there's also a few different things with the offensive line. There was the chop block play from Jared Hawker and, Ch- uh, and, uh, and Carson Green. That was a terrible play, but again, it actually really wasn't. It's just it's where the NF the college football is turning to protect their players. I mean, you see every once in a while a targeting call that the guy's leaning with his shoulder, and unfortunately, when the when the receiver's going down, he accidentally touches his helmet. Doesn't hit him with his helmet at all. Like there's no major contact with the helmet, but because it touches, it's a targeting call. 
So a chop block actually seems like not that big of a deal because it looks like just two guys blocking down and getting pressure. But that one instance where you go for the knee is a chop block. And that's where it's over. And that's where the penalties come in. So for Mond, it's finding a common ground. How much of those plays were because of poor protection? How many of those plays were because of great coverage on a guy deep downfield? How many of those plays were on you? Find that middle ground, find your own problems, and adjust to it. There were several, and again, I'm not going to give Mon a lot of credit, but I counted four drop passes. So at least four of those plays should have gone for positive yards. They did it. Three of those balls were beautifully placed. 100%. One was a little off skew, but the rule is, if it touches your hands and you can haul it in, it's a drop on you and not on the quarterback. And there's a lot of times you see that happen, where it's both. That's just the reality of it. Now again, there's two quarterbacks on the field at all times. You might be asking yourself, well, how are there two when there's really only one? Well, you have your quarterback who's under center, and you have your field general who is the quarterback of the defense, which is your middle linebacker, your mic backer. He's the one that commands all the calls. He's the one that makes sure that players are set up in the, in the right spot. He's the one that will call an audible when he sees something out there. And that's Buddy Johnson. And he was one of the biggest heroes for A&M. In my opinion, he was the number two star player. According to my three stars every single week that I give out, number three was, of course, Seth Small. Number one was Isaiah Spiller. But his essential play in the red zone made it almost an impossible feat for LSU to come back the way they were moving the ball. And clearly, according to Jimbo, he is not only the leader, but the heart and soul of that defense. Well, he is. He, he's, he's a senior linebacker making those calls and doing the things we do. And, and uh, like I say, the whole unit's playing great. I mean, uh, he's doing a really good job making calls, getting guys there, being a leader. Uh, he, he's, been, he's been tremendous in what he's doing. And we're playing well around him. Like I said in that play, if you go back and look at that play, he made a great play. But Hansford, man, that rush and the way he got himself in the position, he got his body in to get pressure. And we're learning to play together as a unit. Just like as I said, they, they, they're complimenting each other, pressure to coverage, to all the things that are going on and doing a really good job. But Buddy's been, been really good, really good. When you have consistency on both sides of the ball, it's great. But when you have consistency on defense, as I've mentioned on this podcast today and multiple times, it makes you elite. Now, this offense was clicking the way that you see maybe Georgia clicking with JT Daniels or the way you see Florida clicking. I would not be surprised if they beat Alabama in a round two matchup in the college football playoff. If they're clicking the way that Florida's offense is clicking, they would immediately, I think, beat the likes of Notre Dame if they do go to the college football playoff. I think that they would hold their own against Ohio State if they had to face them. This defense has so many key playmakers at so many different positions. Aaron Hansford, guy who never saw action other than special teams, is now making the most of his time and has a very good shot, in my opinion, over Anthony Hines to get drafted because there's so much good film on Hansford right now and there's so little on this year of Hines. Again, everyone is entitled to their own opinion to opt out. I completely understand. I completely respect Hines' decision. But Hansford has made a name for himself, just like Buddy Johnson has. Buddy has gone from what I've been told from several scouts, from a sixth-round pick to potentially a mid-round pick because of how well he's playing that field general position. Now, third-round picks doesn't always mean you hit, but it does mean that you're given more time to actually make the roster. 
Which means that there's players who are veterans, players who are seventh round picks, players who are, you know, fringe roster players already. They could be cut because if you're guaranteed one season to make the most of your opportunity. And Buddy has done that this far for AM. Before we go to commercial break, real fast, just know that tomorrow's show, we will be talking about Jimbo Fisher. Now with Tom Herman officially on the scorching hot seat. We look back at Jimbo Fisher's era with people complaining about his overall success rate in College Station. I'm going to be honest with you. You're wrong if you think that he's doing a bad job. In fact, you're entirely wrong if you think he's doing a bad job. How many times has this happened to you? You wake up late, you run to the office, you don't have time to eat breakfast, and you don't have enough time to drink your coffee, so you're already in a sluggish mood. You can't break through your wall, whether that be emotional, physical, or mental. That's why I recommend when you go through these moments, grab the go to get you on the go with Built Go from the great people who created Built Bar. Whether it's mental or physical wall, break through every day with the easy 1.5 ounce packages. You can put in your briefcase to get you through your presentation later in the afternoon, put it in your golf bag to power through the back nine, or just put it in your pocket to get through the day. It's like a five hour energy without the same crash feelings, plus it's natural so it's actually better for your body. And with three delicious flavors including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint, there's so many varieties for you to switch things up every single day. Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system faster, plus it's easier on the stomach from those acidic drinks. Built Go is loaded with the good stuff, including beta-alene, B3, honey, a kick of caffeine, plus B6 and B12 vitamins, and they make you have better soft tissue, hair, and skin health. So, the stuff even makes you look better. What more do you need to hear? Go visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCK to get 20% off your next order. That promo code is LOCK for 20% off at BuiltGo. Break through your wall today with BuiltGo from BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action. Talking about things Texas A&M. Guys, we're going to talk a lot tomorrow about Jimbo Fisher and what he had to say on his overall success and how you better prepare. So, we're not going to go focus on Jimbo Fisher anymore. Let's go talk a little bit about Auburn. Auburn got blown out by Alabama. Plain and simple. You want to know what the reality is, though? And Jimbo Fisher's 100% right when he says this. Everyone is getting blown out by Alabama. Mac Jones, the wide receivers, the defense is playing well. You have a great young corner, a great young wide receiver that will be the future when Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, and Patrick Sertain go to the NFL. So this isn't a bad game. Auburn just is not at the same level as Alabama. And there's really, in my opinion, one team even close to being at the same level as Alabama with consistency. There's a lot of teams that could beat Alabama on any given Saturday, but the consistent play is not there for these teams, where it is for the Crimson Tide and it is for Clemson. And here was his thoughts when talking about prepping for a guy like Bo Nix, who did have a really, really rough game against the Crimson Tide defense. Really do. I mean, you can't just, as I say, they say, lay yours back and go get that quarterback. Well, all of a sudden you do, and you get undisciplined, get out of a lane, and he can break it for 8, 10, 12, 15, even longer runs. Bo is a tremendous competitor, uh, just like his dad was, and, and tremendous, tremendous player. And, uh, you know, you have to have discipline, you, you know, whether you, even on your blitz packages, you know, making sure lanes are taken away and making sure, you know, in the coverages, if you're match coverage and you're turning your back, you know, you got to trust that those rush lanes are taken care of. And if you're in zone, you got to keep your eyes back there on the, on the backfield and keep an eye on him when he comes out. So it's a very, very challenging thing because those are the yards that say, man, that guy's got legs. Well, you know, and, and I always said that was a quarterback. Say, man, he's, I hate playing against that guy of yours. He's, 
He's, uh, he can scramble and make yards. I said, well, just tell me when he's going to do that, and I'll know on offense so I can call those plays. And, it's, and, that, and, when I'm, and I'm joking about that. On defense, it's the same way. You know, you got him, you got him, you got him, and all of a sudden, boom, there's one, there's another. You know what I'm saying? It's just that you cannot let up on defense when you play a guy like that. At each and every play, the disciplined part of how you rush and, and contain a guy has got to be right on time. All right, reality check. Everyone struggles against Alabama. The difference is, is that Bo Nix is very similar to Kellen Mond in the fact of you expected a breakout year, and it's just not there. He has one game where he's thrown for over 300 yards, and he threw exactly 300 yards. And it was the 48-11 to beatdown against the likes of LSU. In every other game this season, he struggled. In the three losses, he's thrown at least one interception. He threw all of his interceptions except for one in those losses. The only game that he threw an interception and he won was the game against Tennessee where they won 30-17. to In every loss, he has a turnover. In every other win, he does not. When you force a turnover, it looks like Bo Nix becomes rattled. That is your answer for stopping Bo Nix. Because of guess what? You look at his numbers, they're not great. They are not great. But he also can run. He can. He has four games where he's rushed for at least 30 yards. Three of those games he has a touchdown in. The only game where he got a touchdown and he had negative yardage was last week against Alabama. And that's because Alabama gave up in the four-yard line and they let him score real fast. Every other play, he scrambled. He had nine rushing attempts. He finished with negative one yards. But he had a longest run of nine yards in the red zone, which that led to the touchdown. You stop him and you hold his legs. And after you do that, you keep him from expanding plays outside the pocket. You're in a very good spot. You're in a tremendous spot, actually. So you want to beat Bo Nix, contain him, get an interception. Once you do that, he is lost. And the game is in Auburn. Unfortunately, home field advantage does matter in the SEC. Because of whether you want to admit that there's not a lot of fans there, or there's some fans there, or whatever they are, you know, here, there, whatever you want to say, there's fans there. Which means, even if it is a little quieter, it still is home field advantage for the opposing team. Now, do I think that Auburn's going to get this win? At the very start of the year, I said A&M's two losses would come to the Yellowhammer State schools. They'd finish 8-2. and two. I'm going to regress that right now. I think there's another trap game for AM where they still could finish 8-2, but it's not against Auburn. If they play the way defensively they've been playing, as Jimbo Fisher talked about, you will see a big-time victory for the likes of the Aggies come Saturday. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes, Spotify, and listen every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. And while you're at it, why not listen every Tuesday to Locked on NFL? Luke Braun and Ross Jackson break down the Monday Night Football action and the top fantasy storylines coming into the NFL on Tuesday's Fantasy Forum. They're joined every single week by a Locked On Fantasy expert to help save your lineup and make waiver wire pickups, must starts, and more. Subscribe on Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcast. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. As I mentioned, tomorrow's show, Jimbo Fisher. Why are people still crapping on him when you look at his overall production? He is doing a good job, and I'm going to break down why he's doing a good job, and then make sure you tune in tomorrow. Remember, you come, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.